Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Brute Force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio. Special Operations Military News and Straight Talk with the Guys in the Community. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Soft Rep Radio. I'm your host this afternoon, Steve Balistrieri. Joining us right now, we have a very special guest with us, Tom Spooner. Uh, former Delta Force, 7th Special Forces Group, which is uh, always partial to my heart there. Um, uh, he did uh, 21 years in the military. Um, and then after he was out, he, he had problems with, like a, with a lot of veterans do with uh, PTS, uh, TBI. 
and he started a, well, he was co-founder, I should say, uh, Warrior's Heart, and it's called warriorsheart.com. It's a ranch located in Bandera, Texas, just outside of San Antonio, and we're going to um, talk to him all about all of this stuff. But before we go any further, let's bring him on to the podcast. Tom, thanks for taking the time with us this afternoon. Steve, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Is that, you know, we're a military podcast, so everyone loves hearing everyone's bio. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your military career? Yes, I'll, uh, I'll try to do a shorter version as possible, <laughs> and then we can dive into whatever parts you'd like to. Um, yeah. But um, so I came in the military in 1990. Uh, I was at basic training, you know, uh, and right when I was at basic training, the Gulf War kicked off. And uh, the funny story was, you know, I told my would-be wife at the time, you know, uh, that, ah, there's nothing going on in the military. She was all worried about going to work. It never happened. It hadn't happened in years. And then when I was at basic, it kicked off. So I went to basic AIT, jump school, and uh, and straight to the 82nd. Um, And then was there a couple months and then over to the Gulf. so from 90 to 95, I was in the 82nd and first the 504th. Um, then 96 uh, to 2001, I was in 7 Special Forces Group as a 18 Charlie. And then from 2001 and 2000 until 2011, when I retired, I was out at the unit. So I ended up doing 12 deployments, uh, 40 total months time in combat, and, uh, and then I retired. <laughs> One of our uh, writers here at SoftRev, George Hanton, was over in the unit. I don't know if you know George. I know who he is. We didn't yeah, work yeah. together, but I definitely know who he is. Yeah, George is quite popular. He writes some great stories, and uh, uh, he just f- published a book. So uh, I look forward to reading that one soon. But let's talk about you. Um, you know, after all this time in the military, uh Obviously, you had some problems of your own. Can you get into that a little bit? Absolutely. Whenever, uh, so for me, fortunate or unfortunate, I consider it fortunate. I I struggled with uh, with alcohol and alcoholism at a young age, and uh, and I ended up getting sober whenever I was 22 years old when I was in the 82nd. Uh, so the majority of my military career, uh, you know what I mean. I didn't I didn't drink, and I am not the alcohol police. I am not, you know what I'm saying? Like alcohol is a huge part of our community. Uh, it's a huge part of our culture and what we do uh, and don't have any problem with it. But if it's if alcohol is destroying your marriage or destroying your family or destroying your career, you know, as being a soldier, uh, then I got a problem with that and you should too, you know. So I just want to be very clear that I'm not a teetotaler, you know. I mean, I couldn't spend 18 years in spec ops with that kind of attitude, you know. So... No, it's tough. I mean, alcohol is a big part of our winding down, I guess, this is the way of putting it. Yeah, to me, I just, you know, I was one of those guys, you know, that you would, you know, get all lit up one night and do like insane things. And you'd say, yeah, man, hey, bro, you you probably shouldn't drink, you know, because <laughs> uh, I got, that's what I always say as, uh, you know, I'm allergic to alcohol, I break out in handcuffs. You know, so it's uh, so anyway, alcohol did not agree with me. Uh, and so uh, I ended I, I got sober, you know, I had to get some help and got sober. But uh, the thing was, you know, I mean, it just made me a more incredible soldier. You know, it uh, for me anyway, again, not pushing it on anyone. It, it was what I needed to do. 
and then um so that was a big part of the story especially when it comes uh you know to whenever i got out uh but also uh, whenever I was in, uh, especially, you know, from 2001 to 2010, when I was still deploying, uh, in 2006, I got a undiagnosed, uh, TBI, you know, during those time frames. I mean, everybody was getting blown up, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I got blown up. Maybe I should get checked out. It was like, Oh, I'm, I'm finally in the club now, I guess, you know? And, uh, but it was, it was significant and I didn't know it at the time. I, ate a 82 millimeter mortar round probably about 20 meters away it was uh yeah so uh, that's where i got a, and that was 2006 so i kept you know deploying you know and and working uh, around a lot of explosives a lot more concussions and everything and now we know that that stuff is non-linear you know it's uh it's not incremental so i had some pretty significant uh tbi going on and and I had a fair share of uh, post-traumatic stress or what I just like call an unprocessed trauma, you know. And uh, and so uh, that got me into a really bad way come 2010. And um, mm-hmm. so I'd never, I'd never planned on getting out of the military. Man, I was a freaking super lifer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, from the time I was old enough to remember, uh, you know, I was that 10-year-old kid running around with my Vietnam vet uncle's uh, – you know, U.S. paratrooper death from above t-shirt on, you know, I mean, it was just, so I, I never, you know, 30 years, you know, wherever they were going to have to kick me out. Uh, but between the, the PTS and the, mainly the TVI aspect of it at that time, uh, I ended up getting med boarded out, um, because of multiple reasons, the normal broken parts, you know, back surgery, broken back. You know, what I mean, we all got our oh yeah, yeah. Things, That's what, yeah. same happened to me. <laughs> I got I got med med board out in '98. So yeah, so it was uh, so it, it you know it was it was really rough. Everybody like you know talks about the transition and uh, you know a transition out of any profession for when that's what you spent your whole adult life doing. You know, it was a big deal, especially the one we were involved in, and. Um, you know, but I mean, I was, I was, I was in a bad way. Uh, I ended up going to the, uh, TBI clinic here on, uh, Fort Bragg and got tested. And, uh, and so the, the kind of a cool thing, I guess you can say it cool with brain trauma, but, uh, you know, when the doc, I took all the tests, you know, that six hours worth of testing with mm-hmm. puzzles and, you know, with a person and, and it's so definitive, it's not subjective to, who's reading it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitive. And, um, and the doc who was reading it to me, you know, he said, Hey, you're operating at 50%, uh, processing speed. You're operating, uh, 50% verbal memory. So my symptoms at that time was, uh, like at times I wouldn't even know where I was. Uh, like, I mean, hell, I, I used to drive, you know, for 10 years straight, you know, from the back gate to my house is about three different turns. And, you know, I did it you know, twice a day for 10 years. But at that time, 2010, you know, no iPhones yet, but uh, I would have to plug in my GPS, uh, my address to get home because I would just... Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, I was cognizant and you really wouldn't know what was going on in the old squirrel cage. You know what I mean? I presented as if like, okay, maybe a little angry, you know, a little mean, but, you know, normal dude. Um, But I had huge mood swings going on and uh, 
just a lot of the typical symptoms that were TBI, but I didn't know it. So when the doc read me those results, uh, he kind of thought I was having a little bit of a moment, you know, because uh, he stopped a second and he said, um, hey, uh, I just want to make sure you understood what I what I just said to you, you know. And I was like, hey, doc, no, uh, I, I hear you. You know, I understand, uh, you know, brain injury is bad and 50% processing, 50% verbal memory. I was like, but you just told me I wasn't crazy. And uh, and that was a huge thing to me because I thought I was just losing my, my losing it, you know. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I understand injury and you can recover from injury, but you can't recover from crazy. I mean, we, no, we own, no. you know. <laughs> and, so, and so when he told me I had an injury, yeah, it sucked. It was my brain. But, man, it, it you know, I mean, it, it gave me a lot of hope, you know. Uh, so I ended up doing, man like the full gamut, uh, three months, three, three and a half months of intensive, uh, cognitive therapy, vestibular therapy, psychological therapy, even had to get a little bit of it on meds for a little bit. And, uh, the, the crazy thing about all that is that it works, uh, <laughs> you know, man. And that, but one of the key things for me, well, a few key things, it was, uh, man, I just started getting after it like I would in the military. You know, I wasn't happy about getting out, uh, but it was real. You know what I mean? Hey, it was realistic. I couldn't wear a kit without taking narcotics, and that wasn't going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So so it was like, hey, I just had to deal with, with what I had, you know? So I attacked this whole healing kind of aspect of things uh, the same way I did sniper school or ranger school or the Q course or selection, you know what I mean? It was just like, hey, what's next? What can I go to right, next, right. you know? So... So I just adopted that same mindset uh, because it was like a, any other of those tough military schools, man, it sucked, you know. <laughs> it was There was a bunch of guys from group. We were in there in vestibular treatment. That's where you like, you know, look at stuff and shake your head and they just have puke buckets, you know, next to you and we'd all just, it was like on a, you know, a screwed up team party or something where, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you do all these crazy tricks until you puke and then you can do it more, you know, and... uh but anyway, got through all that. But man, I'm here to tell you, for me, the the only thing that uh, really stopped me from being, you know, one of the 22 suicides was, uh, is I didn't have that trifecta. I didn't have the chemical dependency or self medication thing going on. And I'm not saying that because of whoa, yay me. I'm just saying it that I barely made it through without that. So I can only imagine. You know, I mean, folks that are self-medicated, you know, I mean, you throw a bunch of pills on top of some TBI, on top of a bunch of unprocessed trauma, and then just add booze, you know, we all, that's how it happens. I mean, we all know guys and, you know. Yeah, and some of them was, were people we would consider the strongest guys that we were around. Absolutely, man. But, you know, that the thing that I learned, obviously, I learned a ton through that whole process, and... uh you know, and, and I have to mention, too, that the, the hugest part about me, uh, and it's always been my motivation, was my family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've got this Spartan queen of a freaking wife who's way more badass than I am. I got <laughs> two boys, you know, that are young men now. But, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what that's what kept my fire going, you know, was, uh, hey, I got to now my team wasn't, you know, uh, ODA, you know, or, or wherever it was. uh it was my family, you know, that was my team. So, Hey, I don't want to let my team down. So, Hey, I got to freaking perform. Yeah. You know, so 
it was different categories, but same things. And uh, man, I just I learned so much through that whole process of uh, hey, number one, how hard it is to do it, uh, but then um, that is totally doable. But I got to have mission and I have to have purpose. You know, all the all the stuff we grew up with. You know, I mean, which which just made us be able to accomplish. But it was, you know, man, it's freaking tough. You know, uh, but the other thing that got me through that that I want to mention was the Care Coalition, SOCOM Care Coalition, because mm-hmm. man, I those guys had to like at times they had to assign someone to me, <laughs> where where I mean I'm not kidding, um, hand carrying me through my appointments and the med board process because I had all these cognitive, you know, executive functioning things going on, you know, so and it was very. Uh, pissed me off you know because I would know that you know I knew I knew how to do something very simple like find room 107 you know what I mean at Walmart the man I'd spend two hours running around the hospital you know and just not so I mean I literally they hand carried me through a huge part of the process uh you know and uh anyway I can go on and on about that man but it was just it's it, it I, the biggest thing I'm trying to say to that is Yes, I had the willingness, you know what I mean, to walk through the doors and sign up and volunteer to do all this shit. I mean, I'd rather you get in a fucking gunfight, man, than <laughs> talk to a psych or, you know, right. do all that other crap. You know what I mean? That's, but I volunteered, you know, and, uh, and, and just got to continue on with it, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I think a lot of the guys that I've talked to with this, They've said the same thing. I'd rather get in a gunfight being outnumbered ten to one than to talk to a doctor. I'm I'm the exact same way. I was I was actually at the VA this morning, so um, I'd rather get a root canal than go there. But it you know we have to go. Yeah, and that the thing is, man, it and it's a cool thing that I learned is that, uh, and I'm talking about the eighty percent rule. You know, what I mean, there are. Uh, complex psychological issues, like schizophrenia, bipolar, you know what I mean, multiple personality, like, but the 80% of the folks that are, you know, pretty dang functionally just having a hard time, man, is trained or untrained. Like, I had not received any training uh, in how to process trauma and handle my emotions uh, that didn't include violence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I had the the violent, you know, that piece down. You know, what I mean, it's why we we were good at it. You know, and uh, but I just, I just, I just make it make sense to what I understand. It's just like when I showed up to the 25 meter line with my pistol for the first time, and I'm trying to shoot bulls. You know, I'm not even hitting the target. You know, and then someone instructor walked up, hey. When's the last, you know, when's, I'm like, man, I can't even hardly hit the target. It's like, well, when's the last time you received training on shooting 25, you know, bulls at 25 with a pistol? I was like, well, I never have. And it's like, well, then doesn't it make sense that you suck? You know? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. And it's like, so then we receive training and then we put it into practical application and we get better. And what I've found, man, is that same thing that we've lived our whole military careers with holds true uh, in mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being, like, dude, it's just like the gym. 
I can watch videos about going to the gym. We can talk about going to the gym. I can make plans about going to the gym until I start lifting those heavy things up a bunch of times. Like, ain't shit happening, man. No, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> so it's like, funny you mentioned going, going to the range because I, I, you know, brought back a memory. Yeah. Uh, in the old days at Mont Lake, they bring you out. You shoot a 25 meter target the first day, and they had you put your name on it, take it down. <laughs> And then at the end of training, they get you out there one more time and you shoot it. And then they bring out the first one and they would compare notes and say, did you learn anything? Yeah, it appears so. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's how, you know, there's there's all these stigmas and all this stuff on. And mm -hmm. I'm not talking about being weak and all that. Like people are going to think what they think. And, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Uh but the thing is, it's not all this voodoo, uh, like, whoa, or some kind of hippie crap. You know what I mean? It's like, no, man, it's like, hey, I mean, if I had, you know, I mean, we do it all the time in whatever the category, man. If we needed radio training, you know what I mean? And there was an outside source, we would do it. If we needed driver training, if we needed advanced marksmanship, you know what I mean? We would, we always saw it. Uh, to identify our, I mean, NCO stuff, you know, identify my strengths and weaknesses, you know what I mean? And then, okay, how am I working on that stuff? Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't make me weak to know that I sucked at shooting a rifle, you know what I mean? <laughs> it just meant I needed some training. Now, if after the training I still sucked, well, then I, well, then I, I just suck, you know? <laughs> but they just throw all that voodoo on, you know, whenever, whether it's emotional health or mental health or even spiritual, you know, it's all these different things. It's like, nah, man, like, just like, again, I always go back to what most people can understand in our community, and that's, you know, physical fitness. Hey, some guys geek out on CrossFit. You know what I mean? Some guys were all Olympic lifters. Some guys are doing curls for girls, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, who cares at the end of the day if you can move your body with all your gear the way it needs to move no one really cares you know so who cares you know what i mean if i see a psych or i do some 12-step program or i i don't know singing bowls and all kinds of stuff whatever i mean who cares man look at all the weird shit we did with uh <laughs> with shooting and stuff all the little yeah. idiosyncrasies and stuff and Everyone had their own system. <laughs> I know. I touched my helmet two times before I draw, you know. what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I remember as a kid, we all watched Gary Cooper and Sergeant York and have to lick that front mm -hmm. sight post. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do the turkey call. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, how did you come about creating what, the, you know, what the other founders, Warrior's Heart? And uh, definitely, man. And it goes back to a critical thing. Uh, it's, it sounds like, no, you understand it. But it's uh, when I was in the 82nd, uh, my, after I was two years in, uh, I had a, my platoon sergeant, you know, and back in, in early 90s, there was a lot of Vietnam vets still in, you know, my platoon sergeant was, I mean, I mean, the whole battalion was stacked with these guys that were in books, you know, and, um, but my platoon sergeant, uh, you know, I, I had gone like to ranger school, I'd gone to PODC, you know, so uh, all the, I, I mean, I was just this rock star, right, in, uh, in my own mind. And, uh, and I come back from PODC, you know, and, uh, and my platoon sergeant says to me, he said, uh, he said, okay, so what, 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 
what's the job of an NCO? Like, what's that all about? Of course, man, I just got out of PLDC. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> mission and health and welfare of the troops. He's like, yeah, 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 what does that mean? He's like, well, mission, self-explanatory, who, what, where, when, why. He's like, what, what does uh, health and welfare of the troops mean? And I start talking about, well, I got to know if they're married. I got uh, beans and bullets. And uh, he's like, no, jackass, that's not what it means at all. And uh, I was like, I gave him all the book answers, you know what I mean? I just didn't, uh, and he said, what health and welfare of the troops means is that you give them the ability to survive and thrive in combat. That's what that means. And I was like, wow, uh, that ain't nothing that I've been hearing about, you know, and, uh, Not PLDC. Man, man, and it changed my whole life as a leader from that moment on, you know, in the infantry on ODA at the unit is that my job, you know, me was ensure them to be able to survive and thrive in combat, which is just all about training and experience as we know. So back to your question. So that was how I spent my whole military career. And then whenever I got out, uh, cause of my own, uh, personal experiences and all, some friends and that I had, you know, I got really involved in veteran suicide. And, uh, you know, we started, me and a buddy of mine, Magnus, started uh, uh, Elder Heart, which became Mission 22. And uh, But my sweet spot was always the chemical dependency route, you know, because that's something that I've just been hugely passionate about from the moment I got involved with it. Even my whole time in the military, I was super active with it. And uh, so then... Whenever I got out, I needed a new mission, right? Okay, so my mission was my family and then my job. And then there was health and welfare of the troops, you know. So it's like, okay, I did the war overseas. You know, now there's the war at home, uh, which claims way more than the war overseas did. And so it's real, not pretty, you know, not fancy talk. And so my job, same as before, health and welfare of the troops, you know. So I was really involved uh, in doing that. Uh, in speaking about my own experiences, uh, not giving them many opinions. Because <laughs> yeah, right. what I've found is, is you can, and we all know, is like, hey, you can argue with my opinion, but you can't argue with my experience because uh, it's what happened, exactly. you know. And uh, so I got really involved in that. And then whenever I met my partners, uh, Josh and Lisa Lannon with Warriors Heart back in 2013, uh, I met him at doing a little fun and gun just right down in Hoffman. I was just doing gigs, trying to make money. He was a dude that, you know, wanted military type training and came there and we met in the woods and Hoffman. Right outside. Yes, I saw you. Yes, he wasn't a mil he doesn't have a military background. So I was wondering how you guys met. That's how we met, man. So uh so that's how Josh uh and his wife Lisa, they're combo and obviously in life but also in business and um so we that's how we met and uh he was uh, him and his wife lisa they had run uh private drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers uh for 15 years uh high quality high level of care but all to civilian population you know and um and when i met up with them the their next one that they were going to build, which was going to be their seventh one, was just going to be for veterans because they had a, uh, a counselor of theirs whose son that was a two-tour Iraq vet uh, who ended up, you know, taking his own life. So it brought it to their awareness, like, hey, we have to do something. 
Uh, so we met in the woods. <laughs> it was kind of like the old thing as like, hey, you want to go do karate in the garage? Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, so 2013 we met. Uh, we ha uh, had time finding the property, working all the stuff out. We got the ranch in 2015, acquired it, and then uh, in 2016 we opened up Warrior's Heart uh, in April of 16. And uh, you know, and, and since then we have treated almost 2,000 warriors have come through there. Wow, that's amazing. And wh what made you pick, uh, you know, this area outside San Antonio? So uh, a, a few reasons. Number one was uh, geolocation you know, the center of the U.S., because we knew we'd have folks coming from all over. Uh, and then in Texas, of course, just because it's very pro-military, pro-law enforcement, firefighter, you know, there's just a lot of support mm -hmm. there. So those were the two main reasons that initially got us into that AO to look in. And then, uh, you know, and then we found uh, the ranch there at the time. It was called Purple Sage Ranch in Bandera, Texas. So that's, that's kind of what got us there for those different reasons. And, Good. And uh, what's the program like there? I know I, I watched a couple of videos. You guys call it like basic training. But, yes. Uh, so it's so yeah. the thing is, is though I got to clarify that, though, because nobody wants to go back to basic training. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the, the overall of the program is it's, uh, it's a 42-day, minimum 42-day inpatient uh, healing slash training facility. Uh, primary diagnosis is chemical dependencies uh, with secondary is co-occurring uh, PTS, mild traumatic brain injury, moral grief and injury, and the rest of the alphabet soup that comes, you know, with our professions. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's what it is there. And uh, a couple main, it's like, okay, why is it different than any other place, you know, is... Uh, there's a few different reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is is that it's the opposite of a hospital setting, uh, because mm -hmm. folks like us uh, and that come from our professions, you know, they uh, we don't get well in hospitals, you know, unless we're getting surgery, you know, or something. But it's just not an environment uh, that that we do well in, you know. So it's it's the opposite of that setting. Uh, it's it's more of a resort type setting, you know, uh, 543 acre ranch. Uh, it was an old Conoco Oil executive retreat uh, at one time. And then um, the other thing is, is the population, uh, which creates the peer network immediately. So the population at Warrior's Heart is active duty, military, uh, veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, EMTs. Basically, uh, those who face life and death on a daily basis as a profession you know, is who was qualified to come to Warrior's Heart. So that immediately gives us that that peer network that everybody talks about, right? Oh, how we, we know how important a peer network is. And although a stateside EMT and a combat veteran's physical experiences may have been very different, the things that are eating us up inside are exactly the same. You know what I mean? It's the shit, people that we lost, the stuff that happens, the stuff that goes wrong. You know, so whether that was in Baghdad or Detroit, you know what I mean? Those are the same kind of things that are that are going on inside. And um, so that the, the peer network is a huge thing. And then uh, another main thing is, is that, uh, you know, a lot of these healing centers or treatment centers, whatever, training centers, whatever you want to call them, they, uh, they're very siloed off. 
you know, it's like, hey, here's your, if you got chemical dependency issues, you go here. Uh, but when you're here, don't talk about that war stuff. You know, I mean, that trauma stuff, like, hey, we're talking about this. And then if you go to some place for PTS, they're like, hey, you know, we're not messing with the, you know, medication issues you have going on. So because it always comes up is like, is it the trauma that drives the drinking and, and drugging? Or is it the drinking and drugging that brings up the unprocessed trauma? Who gives a shit? Like, treat both of them, and then it, it doesn't matter. It mitigates the risk of, of misdiagnosing one or the other. So that's what we do out there. We treat the chemical dependency side, and we also treat the unprocessed trauma with licensed professionals. So, Yeah, I, I wanted to jump backwards for a second. Um, I, I watched the film... And, you know, it talks about 9-11 and first responders. And, you know, it's not just uh, the kind of guys we, you know, we grew up around, you know, uh, warriors in that, this sense. But do you get a lot of first responders and police involved in the program? We do. We do. We're, we fluctuate between uh, it's usually heavier on the military, whether it's active duty or veteran side, probably about a 60-40 split. Uh, you know, it obviously it fluctuates throughout the times. Um, and it's probably, and the numbers are getting bigger with our law enforcement, which is, which is great. But it's about that 60-40 split between uh, military background. But, you know, a lot of our firefighters and our law enforcement are also veterans, you know, because that's a general, pow- a general mm-hmm. route that, you know, especially young veterans take, you know, is that so they're kind of both of them. But yeah, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, back to the 9-11 piece, you know, we've had several, several guys even from that area that worked what they called the pile, you know, back then, you know, that have come out because, you know, like, like I said, we, those professions, you know, create certain circumstances, you know, and, uh, you know, when it comes to post-traumatic stress, you know, a lot of guys are, uh, you know, embarrassed about that, especially if they're struggling or they don't want to admit it. It's like, hey, man, we, we should have a medal for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that means that you've voluntarily chosen a profession that puts you in a situation of trauma. You know what I mean? Where like, hey, some crazy stuff was going on. Some horrible stuff was going on, whether it was a burning building, a burning car, whether it was a gunfight, you know, whatever that was, it's like, it's like, whoa, it's like you got PTS, like, hey, welcome to the club. Now you finally done something. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, so it's just, I mean, I'm not about, uh, especially all of us at Warrior's Heart, we're not about fighting stigmas and all this stuff, but we are about changing the narrative. You know, it's like, hey, it's, it's kind of the wrong narrative, you know, where it's like, hey, it's, it's not a, a negative thing like it's not something you'd volunteer for like man i can't wait for the day that i you know need pts therapy you know what i'm saying <laughs> mm-hmm. but because nobody man, ever thinks it's going to happen to them no man but we know if you're in the profession long enough like it's guaranteed to you know because i mean those are rough jobs you know and um and you know and that's a, another thing that makes a a very significant difference uh when you're talking about they, they label it PTS, but let's just call it unprocessed trauma, you know, stuff that has gone on in our lives that, you know, hey, it's just stuck, you know, and we just go on through it. You know, there's, uh, there's two ways of, 
two categories of that, you know, uh, victims and volunteers. Uh, so victim is just what it means. You know what I mean? Hey, someone received something. They, they got abused. They got attacked. You know, something happened. They unexpected. You know, they're a victim. But then you got volunteers like us, right? Like we volunteered to put ourselves in a position where trauma occurs, you know? So the end results is the, tra is the same. We got unprocessed trauma, but the approach to healing is much different. If you try to treat me like a victim, like that's, that's not going to work. Uh, but if you try to treat me as someone that volunteered to put myself in here, but we still need to do all this talking to the doc and writing and process and stuff, you know I mean? I can, I, you know, I can, I can, in, in training, like I can, I can grab onto that kind of, that message, you know, I can grab onto that, but you start talking about that, Hey, I'm a victim and it, wasn't my fault and those kind of things. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not gonna, it's just not true, you know? So, so that's another thing. Uh, and you're going to have to stop me along the way because I just get excited about it and I'll just keep running my mouth, man. So go right ahead. <laughs> that's why we have you. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, you know, and, and with all the different things that we do out at Warrior's Heart, you know what I mean? Because we have, we're state licensed, right? So, mm -hmm. you know I mean? We have our, alcohol and drug rehab 101 things that we have to do, right? But, um, but, the, but then we got a lot of leeway as far as what to do. And another thing that makes Warrior's Heart uh, different than any other one is, is that uh, that's my job out there is to provide warrior oversight. Uh, so my job description out there is, is like I am the population. You know what I mean? I understand the chemical dependency aspect. I understand the PTS. I understand the TBI piece of it. So I, I know, you know, how much they can handle because, uh, you know, the psychologists want more psychology as they should. Right. Uh, because mm -hmm. they're passionate and rock stars in their profession. The docs, you know, they want more, more, more medical. Right. And they should. But at the end of the day, I always go back to like what we used to do in a talk. You know, I mean, hey, you have your Intel guy, you have your ops guy, you have your S4, you have all these different subject matter experts. But at the end of the day, there's a warrior there that's saying, okay, I need your information and I need what you have the ability to do, but this is how we're going to do it, right? And so, and that's what we do out there because what I've seen in the, you know, in the, you know, in the warrior class of folks, the, prop, the problem solvers, right? House is on fire. Please come help me. They figure out how to frick, put your freaking house out of fire. You know, hey, our country gets attacked. We go and get, you know what I mean? problem solving problem solving and that's that's how we're wired that's what we do but yet when it came to our own problems like combat pts tbi what did we do we said sykes fix us uh chaplain fix us it doesn't even follow a warrior train of logic it'd be like going to the intel guy and asking him what he thought about an operational decision I mean, now he's going to do the best that he can, but he's an Intel guy. Same mm -hmm. thing if I went to my ops guy and said, hey, man, I want you to run this Intel report. And he's like, okay. You know what I mean? He's going he's gonna to rock it out and it's going to suck, you know, uh, compared to the Intel guy. Right. So that's where, you know, that's all that we're doing is we're just getting back to the way that things, I mean, we need our psychs. You know what I mean? We need our docs. We need uh, our chaplains and everything. But at the same time, these are our problems, 
Like we have to, we have to own what's going on in our own population and then seek subject matter experts, you know, just like we did in every single talk there ever was or MSS or, you know, so right. that's one of my jobs out there is to provide that warrior oversight, you know, and um, I'll pause there for a minute. I'll keep talking. It's okay. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, we're, we're not good at taking care of ourselves and our own problems. We're so focused on taking care of everyone else's. And, uh, and you know, I you spoke, know, I spoke to the therapist at the, the VA who, who treated a treated lot of SF guys and Navy SEALs. Navy so she, right. was she was very, very, you know, in tune with our environment. And she goes, without... without you know, trying to, trying to put everyone in the same box. She said, a lot of you guys would just take what happened to you and you put it in a box and put it behind you because I'll, I'll fix that later. Right now I need to fix this. And she said, and then you keep getting more boxes putting in front of that little box. And then it comes out, you know, at the very end, there's no more room left. You need to get back to that first box and empty it out. Yeah, man, because when that warehouse or those boxes, when that place gets full and it comes spilling out, ooh, that's ugly. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, it does. We've all been there. And, oh, absolutely, uh, man. Yeah, and it's, but that's to me where, because uh, how I try to teach guys, because it's how I was taught about this kind of training, you know, is, is that it goes back to what I understand. What I understand is, is I don't give a shit about letting me down, but I'm not going to let you down, right? Team guy mm -hmm. mentality. Like, I will sacrifice myself for the team. But at the same time, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be the weak link on the team. Like, I'm going to be hitting the range. I'm going to be hitting the PT. I'm going to be taking care, even though we didn't. It's kind of a big trick is what I know about me is. is Because you hear him talk about this concept of self-care, right? <laughs> and I intellectually, I get that. In my heart, I don't because I'm a team guy. Like I'd, I'm more focused on, on others. But what I learned even on the ODA, you know, is, is that, man, I have to keep myself strong in order to be there when the team needs me. I have to stay proficient in my language. I have to stay, you know, in all these different metal tasks that I've got to be able to do like, hey, man, I have to know how to do those things, you know, and, um, and stay proficient on them. So if I look at it the same way, you know, my life now outside of the military, you know, as a civilian, I can't be any different. Uh, I've tried to be different before. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it ends horribly. It's like uh, I'm wired, you know what I mean? I'm wired how I'm wired. And, uh, but I was taught how to live the way that I am in this environment. You know, and uh, and that is, is that the way that I learned that self-care piece is by knowing and accepting that, man, if I don't do what I'm supposed to be doing for me, when the team needs me, I'm not going to be there for them. Like, I understand that, you know, and um, but now my team is my family, uh, my extended family, you know, other warriors. It goes back to that health and welfare of the troops for me. Like, that's hey, why do I get up in the morning? Why do I still go to therapy? Why do I still get TBI treatment? Why do I still go to physical therapy? You know what I mean? It's because cause people need me to do it, man. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, people, people need me to be around. 
Like, uh, not that I'm something great by no means, but you know, there's a handful of me at minimum, a handful of folks that kind of depend on me. They believe that you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where, again, man, it was, uh, and that's why I really understand, you know, guys, you know, a lot of guys have a lot of struggles, you know, of, uh, you know, of putting down the military and, and the one piece, this is just for me, I, well, it's for more, but I'll say it's for me. It's like I had to accept the fact, man, that, that that was over. I was no longer in the military. Like, for real. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, not in my mind. I still think militarily. You know what I mean? I still believe what I believe. But, like, that door is shut, man. It's like talking about whenever, like, high school football or something all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a rude shock that first morning when you wake up wow. and it's not there anymore. And, you know, especially guys like us who get medically chaptered out, yep. it happens like that. Yeah, and when you're sitting there, I mean, if you know, you're going to retire on a certain date, you kind of, get it in your mind when you get chapped out you're in the military one day you're out the next and that's it and it's a rude awakening that first morning you wake up and you're like what the hell am i gonna do with the rest of my life now no man well i've been out what 10 years now and those days still roll around sometimes <laughs> it's like a, i mean way not as bad as early on you know but it's right. but but then again you know it makes a lot of sense i mean you can't be in my mind, anyway, you, you can't be that passionate and that all in on something for decades, you know what I mean? And then unwind that, you know, a year or two or 10, even, you know, outside of it, you know, it's like, hey, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to take a little bit of time. Like that'd be normal. You know what I mean? It's like, especially then you talk about all the crazy stuff that we did, you know, it's not like a normal job or something, you know. We weren't normal people. <laughs> no, and we still aren't. It's not, that has not changed. We just, again, I go back to, I am well-trained because, because uh, <laughs> man, I'll always, I'll always want to blow crap up, man, and get bad guys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just, that's America. You know what I mean? That's just, I'll always want to do We were that. running a training program once and uh, General Downing came out with us. We were teaching him how to blow um, railroad ties. And, and the you know the rails and so the guys were you know putting their little charges on these sections of rail and General Downing's like, hey chief, give me some of this stuff. And he goes, you know, I don't care how old you get, you mix explosives with a bunch of young guys, SF guys. You just want to blow shit up. That's all there is to it. Oh yeah, man. Because it's great. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. So what's next now for uh, Warrior's Heart? Yeah, so so we're in a, we're we're going along strong. You know, we've had COVID, right? Uh, everybody talks about COVID, right? So uh, you know, last year, you know, that's something that's going to be part of our lives. Uh, but again, back to the health and welfare of the troops is, uh, you know, what we know for sure is alcohol and drugs will kill our folks way quicker than COVID will. Not minimizing. Uh, what COVID is and the effects of it, but just tr triaging it, <laughs> what's going to kill you first, uh, it will be alcohol and drugs. So throughout the whole pandemic, we've, we've stayed open, uh, we, which is a huge, uh, super proud of that, 
You know, uh, there was times when we've had to when we've had to cut our numbers back to create space for isolation feed, but we we continue treatment. We shifted to telehealth. We shifted to do all these different things. Again, back to the lay of the land. You know what I mean? Uh, until we get it all cleared out, and then we'd come back. And but it's part of our lives, so we just gotta we gotta deal with it, and we have. So what's next for us? Number one is that we won't stop doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? We're going to continue the mission uh, no matter what is going on. So that's the number one thing. Number two is, is you know, we're, we're always in the process of, of growing. Uh, so even, even on the ranch, you know, we, we've got a lot of space out there, you know, and, uh, and, we're, and we're building like if what we have now is the level one, you know, it will end up having a level two because some guys need some more training and a little extra training, mm-hmm. just like any hard military school, you got folks that come there that are ready, and they make it straight through, and they just go on and do wonderful things, right? You got some folks that come out, eh, maybe they retest, you know, a thing or two, you know, and then you got some folks, well, maybe they need to recycle, you know what I mean? And then you got some folks that hey, they just didn't know what they were getting into yet, and they'll come back at a later date. So that's the same, again, same trying to mindset that happens uh, out there. You know, and eventually, you know, the, the, the goal would be, you know, is, is to have multiple sites. You know, that's part of our big vision and goal because just because the population is so, I mean, we're talking about at minimum hundreds of thousands of guys and gals, you know, that are, uh, that are suffering from this. And, um, you know, so unfortunately the demand is... Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's super high, uh, but you know what I mean? We're just going to, we're just going to keep doing what we've always done. So, um, so, um, how can people get involved with what you're doing? And if they, uh, are interested in a program there, how can they uh, go about that? Yeah. So the best way to go to see all that stuff is warriorsheart.com. If, uh, so I just chunk it out in the categories. Like for people, if people want to be involved, the greatest thing, uh, most of our guys and gals that show up as clients at Warriors Heart, they come up through the training program. They uh, they had never heard about us before. You know that that's almost. I mean, ninety percent of them is like until that moment they were looking, they had never heard. So if there's one thing that anyone can do for us is just help promote. Uh, you know, what I mean to help promote Warriors Heart. You know, whether it's on in whatever capacity that is, whether it's in a conversation or social media or whatever it is that they want to, that they feel comfortable with doing. And, um, you know, that, that, that's always the number one thing. Another good way of doing it is we just had that documentary out, you know, uh, uh, warriors heart, warriors, healing warriors. It's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had to put a price Mm -hmm. on it. So it's 99 cents. They were streaming it on prime, but they, I don't know, you know, they do different things, but that's another good way. And then whenever it comes to folks, uh, loved ones or friends, uh, or folks that do need to reach out, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, they, they need some more training. You know what I mean? They're in a tough spot, uh, on that warriorsheart.com, there's going to be a phone number on there. And, uh, and on that phone number, you can call that and you're going to talk to a, an admissions advocate. And we, we don't, use pretty words for that, but immediately that person is going to start advocating for the individual or for the loved one or for your buddy, you know, and even if it's just questions, 
you know what I mean? Even if you, even if you just like those folks uh, that we have on the team there, uh, they're subject matter experts in their field. So even if it's in how do I approach my loved one in even talking about this, uh, or hey, how do I get in? You know what I mean? That is trying to get back to your question of like that's that's the greatest thing folks can do with us is is promote and uh, you know I mean if, and if there's any questions just to call and and talk with us. There's also we have the Warriors Heart Foundation uh, where if some folks if so inclined to donate uh, that help provide scholarships or hardships uh, for our veterans. You know what I mean that aren't getting any benefits that are on the streets mm-hmm. that you know, aren't retirees or stuff like that. Uh, The one thing that I can say about Warrior's Heart is there's not ever been anyone to not receive treatment because of money. Uh, It may have taken a little bit of a time, but everyone who has sought treatment, uh, they've they've always got it. That's great. I'm glad to hear that because, I mean, I don't think we do enough for our veterans. And I know we're kind of biased on that aspect because, you know, (laughs) we come from that. (laughs) We come from that. But I don't think we do enough. I mean, I go back to my own father who fought in World War II. I think all of those guys had. I think all of those guys I think all of them did. I think all of them. And. Yeah, you how know, could they, he how fought could in they Europe not, and he, he was a tank Europe, commander and, and tank you know he liberated a concentration camp and whenever, camp, something, like whenever something like that would come on he'd, he'd walk out of the room he'd, he'd walk out of the room yeah you know and and that was something that stuck with me my whole military career was like you said seeing all of our heroes you know the World War II guys the Korea guys the Vietnam vets it was uh, I had these little windows of of seeing into their world like a. Uh, I think it was in 94 or 95, uh, I jumped into St. Mary Glee's France, you know, uh, for the 50th anniversary, I think it was. And, uh, you know, back then, a lot of those old timers were still jumping and stuff, you know, their square shoots. And, you know, we were there in St. Mary Glee's, you know, and of course it was during the parades. It was all, you know what I mean? That generation, especially just how badass they all were. But then what would happen, man, as the night went on, I would see them. You know what I mean? And they would be coming apart. Uh, And that's not a hit on them, but to your point of like, you know, a human being, unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath, like you're going to have some struggles with with what happens in combat, you know, uh, just as a a human. And I watched those guys fucking come apart sometimes. And, And I thought zero negativity, obviously, about that. It would, but where it stuck with me, it was like, hey, this is not going away. Like, like this whole kind of trauma, this, this, these things that kind of well up, like here these guys are, they're in their 60s or their 80s, and, and it's still popping up with them, you know. So what that told me is how important it was for me to start dealing with it, you know, for me to get some help if I needed it. And then I saw it with the Vietnam guys. I mean, I saw it in all these different places where it was the underlying thing that I had in my mind was is that, hey, this stuff doesn't go away. Like you said, we put it in a box and we categorize it, we compartmentalize it, and we have to. That's why we were really good at our jobs, right? That's why we can deal with those kind of traumatic situations is because we can compartmentalize. You know, but then there comes a time in life where it's like, okay, let's, let's start... Uh, Let's start kind of as much boxes. as we don't want unpacking. to. Let's start unpacking those boxes because I'm here to tell you, man, I, I would like to to lie to you and tell you that uh, 
man, I just enjoy going to therapy and man, I just, but I don't, and I don't, uh, if it was up to me, like I, I would just keep continuing to march. You know what I mean? It's like that was in the past, but again, I have all these, I know it's not true. You know, uh, if I want to be there for my team and for my family, uh, Hey, I've got some work to do, but that, that's exactly how it was in the military though, too. You know I mean? I didn't get on those teams that I was on because I hung out and wore cool sunglasses, you know, and <laughs> had big muscles or something. I mean, it was because yeah. now I worked my ass off. You know what I mean? I earned my spot, you know, every day. Like they always say, selection's an ongoing process. Guess what? It still is. <laughs> it, is. It, it only gets harder as it goes along. I know. I know. <laughs> I thought it would get easier. But it uh, doesn't. The doesn't. Kid, no, the kids turn into men, and then the mean, the men require me to be a man and can answer appropriately. Like I got to be on my A game all the time now. It's it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, thank you for taking the time with us this afternoon. We really appreciate it, folks. Tom Spooner from Warriors Heart. Check out you know warriorsheart.com. We we thank you for all that you do for our veterans. And uh, if there's anything we can ever do for you on our end, please let us know. I sure will, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. Uh, folks, thanks for li- listening and watching today. Software Radio, On Time, On Target. We'll be back with another podcast real soon. been listening to soft rep radio from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.